Good morning. Shall we pray? Father, we do want to ask you as we come to your word that you would touch our hearts. Father, please would you speak to us? Would you make your word alive? And Lord, we want to ask you for hearts that are uh, just open to hear what you have to say and are willing to respond to all that you say to us this morning. Amen. Well, can I start by saying it's a great privilege to be asked to speak to you all um, this morning. I'd love to be able to say it's a privilege to be with you, and indeed I would love to, to be physically with you, as I'm sure you would all love to be physically together. But um, never mind. The Lord is uh, with us, isn't he? he? He places himself with us and desires our fellowship and our company. So we're not alone, even if we're, if we're physically isolated. Well, the word which the Lord has put on my heart uh, for this morning is in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 18. I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. So I'm going to start this morning by just reading... Um, Two, three scriptures to you. So if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 41 verse 17. Just whilst you're turning, can I just say by way of introduction really, I'm aware that uh, preaching online um, or speaking to myself in my conservatory at home, I am prone to speak for longer than I would normally speak if I was standing in your church looking at the clock on the back wall, aware of the need to finish in time for lunch, and so on. And I think that's a general tendency. I think lots of speakers are speaking for longer online than they would have done in church. So if you find that I'm, I'm talking for too long, do feel free to stop me, go and make a cup of coffee, put me on pause, go and do something else, come back later, whatever you like. That's one of the great joys, isn't it, of of being on our own is that we can um, hit the pause button whenever we need to. Um, it won't worry me because I simply won't know. So do feel free to turn me off if you think I've been going on for too long. You won't upset me at all. So if you found Isaiah chapter 41, beginning to read at verse 17. The afflicted and needy are seeking water, but there is none. And their part and their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. I will put the cedar in the wilderness the acacia and myrtle and olive tree. I will place the juniper in the desert, together with the box tree and the cypress, that they may see and recognise and consider and gain insight as well, that the hand of the Lord has done this, and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Well, I want to just put another two scriptures alongside that um, that scripture in Isaiah. And the first is from John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And alongside that, I want to put John chapter 7, verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
Well, we live in extraordinary times, don't we? And these are difficult times to live in for us. We're unable to go about our ordinary lives. We're unable to meet together. We need to keep our social distance when we do meet, and that goes against all natural inclination and our social conventions as well, particularly for us as Christians who like to greet one another with a hug, don't we? I was very struck by a Matt cartoon in the Daily Telegraph on the first day our schools began to reopen. And this particular cartoon showed a little boy with a star on his jumper. And he was greeting his mum at the end of school. And he was proudly saying to his mum, I got this star for not joining in and not sharing. Isn't it extraordinary how the world is turned completely on its head at the moment. And these unique circumstances of enforced lockdown allow us to see many things in our lives which might normally have been hidden from us because of the daily activity of our lives. And I'm reminded very much of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 which says all discipline for a moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful yet those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Well I suppose there are two ways in which the Lord teaches us things. The first is through his word and that may be on a Sunday morning in, in church as the pastor unfolds the word to us and the preacher explains the word of God to us. That's one way in which we are taught. But of course the other way in which we are taught is through the Lord taking us through difficult circumstances just like the current circumstances we're going through. And that's the Lord's discipline. It's the Lord taking us into a situation where we're able to see things uh, in our characters that we haven't seen before. Or perhaps see more clearly that which was slightly veiled before to us so that we, begin, we have to face the stark reality of who we are. And of course that will mean that uh, when all of this time of lockdown comes to an end, there will be certain things that you have seen that you will want to retain. So perhaps during this time, you will have established a time with the Lord every morning. As we've all got time on our hands, or many of us have, you may have established a regular time in the Lord with the Lord in the morning. And that is something which you want to retain. On the other hand, you may well have seen and understood more clearly that you need more long-suffering um, because you've had very little time because you've been caring for your children and so on and your families and they've never gone away. It's been, there's been no break at all and you realise that what you need is more long-suffering um, to cope and so on. And so as you come out of lockdown, you may wish to be a more long-suffering person than you were when you went in. Well, of course, the wonderful thing that, as I said right at the beginning, is we're not isolated from the Lord. Although we're isolated from one another, uh, it's good to remember John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may will be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. Even if you're locked down entirely on your own, you are not on your own. The Holy Spirit is with you. He has been sent by the Father to be with you. And again, later on in John 14, at verse 23, Jesus says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Isn't that wonderful? We have the whole 
Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in lockdown with us every day. We are not alone. And it's the Lord's desire that we should be isolated to him really and with him and know his presence and his power and his enabling throughout this time of lockdown. Well, if I can return to the place where we started to read, having said all of that by way of introduction, I want to really suggest to you that this time of isolation need not be a time of fruitlessness for us. It is a time where there is the possibility of fruit. And remember Isaiah 41 verse 18 says, I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and dry land fountains of water. I will put cedar in the wilderness and acacia and myrtle and olive trees and I will place juniper in the desert together with the box tree and the cypress that they may see and recognise and consider and gain insight as well that the hand of the Lord has done this the Holy One of Israel has created it isn't it? I mean it's an amazing thing this wilderness and this desert is, is transformed into what we would think of as an arboretum. I mean, not just one type of tree, but so many trees, such a variety of um, trees and fruit growing in a place where you wouldn't expect it to grow in the wilderness and in the desert and in the barren places, the Lord can so water the ground that he brings forth a tremendous um, fruitfulness and trees of every sort in this desert. Absolutely, a real arboretum in the middle of the wilderness. Well, I guess this time of lockdown is a time of wilderness, isn't it? It is a time of desert. It is a time of real difficulty. It's a time of struggling. And for each one of us, the difficulties will be different. I'm very aware that, that one of the things of locking us in our own homes is that we're each in a very, very different circumstance from one another. So for some of you, it's possible that the problems you face are loneliness and isolation. For others, the problem is almost the reverse. Because if you're in a family with young children, you're not only trying to care for the children, you're trying to entertain them, you're trying to educate them, you're trying to somehow replace their friends that they can't meet with, and run a household as well. Your problem is the very opposite, really, of loneliness and isolation. It's that you can't get away from any of it. Um, for some of you, the difficulty will be coping with the mental pressure associated with the situation. And um, there are groups of people in society who have learnt to cope um, with that sort of mental pressure. Um, right when the isolation started, I remember listening to um, the Catholic Archbishop Vincent Nichols talking about monks and nuns and how they had learnt to cope with being isolated and how these were lessons which we would all have to learn. Just very practical things about getting up in the morning, getting dressed, having regular routine. Um, I myself uh, spent, because some of you may know that I'm, I'm trained as a naval architect and my area of naval architecture is warship design and submarine design and so I spent uh, during my training quite a period on board submarines uh, and one of the things I learned is the importance of a routine to cope with the mental pressure of being several hundred feet below the water and the stress which that puts on you. It is very important to have regular 
routine so that we do get up in the mornings, we have things that we do that we're actively involved with. Um, having a structure to the week is important. On a submarine, they always serve fish on a Friday to give a routine to the week. Now, actually, during this time of lockdown, you might want to think about Sundays and doing something different on a Sunday to keep the regular routine. I mean, it's part of the created order of things that, that there is a weekly rhythm to life and we need to keep that. Also, keeping your mind active um, will help deal with mental issues and having something constructive and positive to do um, which suits you and you enjoy doing is a good thing to do. For some of you, the difficulty may be fear um, uh, of the unknown. A lot of it, of course, is fear of the unknown, isn't this? This virus is the great unknown, really, for us. I would just say, you know, that part of the difficulty with fear is allowing our eyes to dwell too long in the wrong place. So if you spend too much time watching the news and too much time on the internet researching the virus and so on, you're likely to be drawn into fear more than if you limit your time doing those sort of things. Um, I was thinking about this some days ago and remembering David facing Goliath. And I was recalling how David was aware of Goliath. I mean, obviously he'd seen him, he knew who he was, but... David doesn't look really at Goliath. David's eyes are fixed on the Lord. So David says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. You know, it is important to keep our eyes upon the Lord and off the news and off the internet and to focus upon the Lord and to remember that he is the one who will deliver us, regardless of the size of the problem. We don't really need to be too concerned about coronavirus and where it originated and all the rest of it. Just keep your eyes upon the Lord. He is the one who can deliver. Well, having said all of that, that the variety of our situations is so different, and the one thing that we do know is that the Lord wants in each one of us, regardless of our situation, to bring forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives in these difficult times. So let's just remind ourselves, what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that the Lord is wanting to develop and bring forth in the lives of each one of us? during this time, regardless of our situation. Well, Galatians 5.22 describes the fruit of the Spirit to us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, that word means long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I suppose when I look at that list, and I look at our current situation, it seems to me that what the Lord is probably working on with most of us is long-suffering and self-control, almost regardless of our situation. Um, but I notice there's another thing there as well in that list that I think is a great challenge to us, isn't it? That word joy. You know, are you finding it a joy to be disciplined by the Lord. It's a great challenge, isn't it? When you're through on long-suffering and self-control, actually, are you finding this time of lockdown with the Lord, knowing that the Lord is developing in you the fruit of the Spirit and bringing forth the character of the Lord Jesus Christ through this time of suffering, are you beginning to find it a joy not because the situation is pleasurable, but because you know that the outworking of it all is more of the Lord Jesus Christ showing forth our lives if we cooperate with him in it. I think it's a great challenge to us 
isn't it really, that we might be those who develop a joy because we know that the Lord is working in our lives to bring forth his glory. And we're cooperating with him in it. That should bring us real joy, shouldn't it? Well, I want really, of course, I'm building up, aren't I? You can tell, I'm sure, to really talking to you this morning about the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in and through the lives of the believer. That is what is on my heart to talk to you about, is how the Lord wants to work in us and through us, through the Holy Spirit, in a powerful way in these days. So I want to really turn to John chapter 7, verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this of the Spirit, whom those who have believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this picture of this river that Jesus um, so graphically uh, talks of is a picture of the Holy Spirit working in and through the lives of the believer, and it's available to all of the Lord's people. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You know, what the Lord looks for in his people is a hunger and a thirst, a real desire for that which he wants to do in our lives. Well, when Jesus said that in John chapter 7, he was, of course, looking forward to the day of Pentecost, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit that we find on the day of Pentecost. But actually we find the work of the Holy Spirit not only beginning in the life of the believer in power on the day of Pentecost and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but we find that work of power going on and on through the life of the believer after the day of Pentecost. So Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We are not only to be baptised with the Holy Spirit, but we are to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And my challenge this morning really to you, or I believe the Lord's challenge to you this morning, is first of all to say, are you baptised with the Holy Spirit? If not, the Lord desires to do so. He desires to baptise you with the Holy Spirit. But if you are baptised with the Holy Spirit, are you going on being filled with the Holy Spirit? Every day, because that is what is needed, particularly in these days of lockdown, that we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, so I'm going to start by talking to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, and I just want to start by talking to you really about what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit all about? Well, if we start with Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there is Jesus um, commissioning his disciples, sending them out 
to go and, and uh, preach the gospel and make disciples of all men. This was their great commission to go. And yet they could not go just like that. They were not able to simply go and do it. They had to wait. So we find in Luke chapter 24 verse 49. Behold I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That word power is a Greek word dunamis. And it is the word, the Greek word, from which we get the word dynamite. It is the miracle, powerful working of the Holy Spirit through the life of the believer in works of power and miracles and powerful proclamation. It is dynamite through the life of the believer. This is, it really is extraordinary when you consider um, the background of the disciples that they should have to wait. Um, if you just think about their disciple, the disciples, uh, they'd spent three years in the physical presence of the Lord Jesus every day in his presence. They had been taught by him. He had given them responsibility uh, to go out and practice the things that he had taught them. I mean, three years, it's an interesting period. It's actually the period of a university degree, isn't it? Uh, and in a university degree, you get lectures, you get teaching, you get tutorials, you get practicals, everything which the disciples had had at the hands of their master. And they had it in a very small group, just the 12 of them. This was like going to Oxford or Cambridge. It wasn't going to a normal university where your lectures are in hundreds and you may see your tutor once in a blue moon. This was, um, this was uh, high intensity, high level teaching and training for three years that they'd had. Furthermore, they had personally witnessed the death of the Lord Jesus and they had personally met with the risen Lord Jesus. On top of all of that, he has personally commissioned them to go into all the world. And yet they have to wait. And yet they cannot go until they have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go. That gives us a feel really for how important this matter of the day of Pentecost was for the disciples. It was absolutely vital in the ministry of the disciples that they, they were there on the day of Pentecost. Well, what were they waiting for? They were waiting there in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, to be clothed with power. That's that dunamis power from on high. The word dunamis occurs a great deal in the New Testament. It's translated as power 77 times, mighty work 11 times, miracle 8 times, strength 7 times, might 4 times. You get the feel for this word. It is a, a forceful, powerful working associated with miracles. Well, Jesus' words to the disciples about waiting for the day of Pentecost are actually very strong words. If you look in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, he says to them, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father has promised. Which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And of course that was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost the disciples were baptised in the Holy Spirit. And after they were baptised in the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and preaches a sermon to those who have witnessed um, this transformation in the lives of the disciples. From men who are hiding away in an upper room to those who are preaching the word with boldness. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 39, Peter explains to those who are listening 
what it is they're looking at. And he says, For the promise is for you and your children and who are for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call to himself. So what is this promise? What was the promise Peter is talking about? Well, first of all, he's talking about the promise of the forgiveness of sins. He's talking about the promise of new birth, that through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, sins can be forgiven. But of course, he is also promising um, that which the people have witnessed there on that day and that which they are responding to, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the believers. And so who is this promise to? Well, it is to you, in other words, to those who were listening, who were physically present on that occasion. Your children, so that could be the children of those who were listening. It might also refer to subsequent generations of their children, their grandchildren and so on. But then the promise is much bigger than that. The promise is to all who are afar off. And I guess the word afar off means two things, doesn't it? It means geographically afar off, anywhere in the world. But it also means afar off in time. Not only this generation, but subsequent generations. And then really at the end of that statement, he makes the whole matter very clear. He says that the promise is to as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So... This promise is to all who desire, not just the limited to those living in New Testament times, but to all, as many who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call to himself. So that is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I said to you, we need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's remarkable um, to see the way in which that occurs in act, the Acts of the Apostles. Remember I pointed out to you Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 where Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words... Go on being filled with the Spirit. Don't let this matter of baptism in the Spirit become a past experience for you. Something which happened some years ago. Go on being filled day after day. And we see a remarkable example of that uh, in the life of Peter. So you remember Peter is obviously baptised in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost along with all the other disciples. But then if you just turn on two chapters further on, to Acts chapter 4, we find a sequence of remarkable things, really, in this sort of context. Peter and John are preaching and speaking to the people, so there, verse 1. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. So they, that's Peter and John, were preaching to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple guard, and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000 so then if we just go on to verse 7. When they had placed them in the centre, they began to inquire, By what power and in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. Do you see how Peter is again filled with the Holy Spirit? And I find it absolutely remarkable. Because, you know, we tend to associate the need to be filled with the Spirit with some sort of feeling that our ministry and our service and so on and our life with the Lord has slipped a bit and, and we've lost something and so we need to be refilled. And yet here is Peter and they have just converted 5,000 men and he still, when he stands up, 
needs to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Well, if that isn't enough, look on to the end of the chapter, verse 23. When they, Peter and John, had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the might of our father David, your servant, said, and then they go on and they, and so on. In verse 31, read, look at the end of the prayer meeting. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. I mean, if we just stop and pause, I mean, that statement is an extraordinary statement. They, be, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with boldness. I mean, they were already speaking with boldness. 5,000 had been converted. They'd been so bold that they'd been arrested and put in prison. And yet still we find them being filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again because they need that constant filling. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day we need that fresh out pouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, just like they did, to fulfil the work of God in our lives. Well, it's interesting to see how does this dunamis power of the Holy Spirit manifest itself in the life of the believer? How is the Holy Spirit manifested in the life of the believer? What is it that he does? Well, of course, Jesus' own ministry was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I'm just going to give you references to most of these things because we just don't have time, even with the pause button, to look at the sheer number of times we find the Holy Spirit acting in power through the life of the believer. So Jesus' ministry was in the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. That is in Luke Chapter 4, verse 14. It was the power of God to perform miracles in, through him. Uh, and we find that same power to perform miracles in the lives of the disciples. So Acts chapter 8, verse 13. And we also find the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in power to witness in Acts chapter 4. Verse 33. But where I want to focus really today, because of the days in which we're living, because we're living under lockdown, is really on other aspects of this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now that word strong, be strong in the Lord, is that dunamis power in the life. So when Paul says to the Ephesians, be strong in the Lord, what he is saying is, allow the Holy Spirit to work through you in power, in dunamis power, um, through your life. In the Lord and in the strength of his might. Uh, those two words, strength of his might, are two different words. Uh, the first word, the strength, there in that sentence, is the word kratos. And it means a strength which is associated with the fact that uh, the Lord is king of kings and lord of lords. It is a strength associated with his dominion and his kingship. And then when it says the strength of his might, the might is a different word in Greek. It's a Greek ischius. And it means his might or his strength, the fact that he is almighty God. And it's interesting to think about the difference between those two words, kratos and ischios. And uh, I think it's best summed up and... Um, 
in this sort of way, we have actually a record of Queen Elizabeth I's speech to the troops at Tilbury prior to the Spanish Armada. And it's held, actually, that record is held in the British Library. There is a, a physical document which tells us exactly what she said on that day when she spoke to the troops. And she said one of the most famous phrases in, in the English language, really. She said, I know I have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king, and a king of England too. You see... Queen Elizabeth I had lots of kratos, if I can put it into the Greek, because she was a queen and she was Queen of England. But she had very little issues because she was a weak and feeble woman. Well, when we come to the Lord God Almighty, he has both. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and is God Almighty and it is his strength, his enabling, his dunamis power through the Holy Spirit in which we are to stand. Do you see how Ephesians 6, chapter 10 is not, or verse 10, is not saying to you, pull yourself together. It's not saying anything like pull yourself together. What it is saying is, Almighty God has given you the power to stand. Stand in the power which God has given you through the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, that standing is to enable us in lots of different situations. So we're to learn to be strengthened in persecution. That is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. In Colossians chapter 1, we're to learn to stand in difficult circumstances. And of course, that is where we are now. We are in difficult circumstances. So I'm going to read this verse in Colossians to you. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power. That's dunamis. Strengthened with the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Let's read the rest of the verse. According to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This powerful working of the Holy Spirit in our lives is unto steadfastness. That's the sort of patience which abides under difficulty, exactly what you need now. What you need now is the dunamis power of God operating in your life in order to enable you to show the sort of patience which abides under difficulty. And then the second word is steadfastness. So that was the steadfastness. The second word is patience. And that means long-suffering, putting up with your family under lockdown without losing your temper. Do you know you need the dunamis power of God to enable you to live in your circumstances uh, and show self-control? Patience, long-suffering, self-control. It is a strengthening to cope with difficult circumstances. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read to you from verse 10. For those of you who don't know, Philippians is a thank you letter for a gift. It's a, Paul's received a monetary gift and he's writing a thank you letter and that's what Philippians is. So it's a, it's a thank you for a gift. So Philippians chapter 4 verse 10. 
But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that word strengthened, that is again, this dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. So what Paul is saying is, I need the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, which comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in order to live through circumstances where I've not had much money. Actually, he also says, I have learnt that I need the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen me in circumstances where I have a lot of money. So he's learnt it in both circumstances where he has a lot and in circumstances where he has very little. Actually, both conditions are difficult. The man who has very little is suffering difficulty because he has very little. The man who has a lot is suffering difficulty because he tends to walk away from the Lord, because he has riches. Well, not only is this work of the Holy Spirit in strengthening us, but it's also a work of the Holy Spirit in enabling us to be about the things of God. So, um, Paul talks to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, about this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in enabling his ministry. It's actually, this is the very basis upon which God works in our lives. This um, powerful working of the Holy Spirit through our lives is the basis of his work in our lives. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power, that is the dunamis power, that works within us. So the Lord wants to use his Holy Spirit in power through our lives um, to bring forth a fruit in our lives. Do you remember we started talking about those glorious trees in the desert there in Isaiah. And God wants to bring forth great fruit in our lives, even in these difficult times, even in this desert. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. The very first place where God wants to bring forth fruit in your life is the fruit of the Spirit in your character. God wants to change your character and show forth the fruit of his Spirit in your changed character. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, that's the long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. But I want to, to challenge us all, really, certainly myself included. Um, actually, the Lord wants to bring forth more than just a fruit in the character through this time of lockdown. The Lord desires to use us to bring forth more fruit than simply a changed character. And this time of lockdown can be a time of fruitfulness for us in a bigger sense than sorting our characters out. Um, I'm very struck by um, Paul uh, writing to the Colossians. Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may, may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Here is Paul, and he is imprisoned. He is under lockdown. You know, many of us, I think, will have thought at one stage or another, we're under house arrest. And I suppose in some ways we have been under house arrest. And yet here is Paul, under real prison arrest, saying, actually, I want to bring the word of God in such a way that the lives of people are affected. You know, he has a desire for fruitfulness whilst he's in prison. 
Being in prison is no bar to fruitfulness for Paul. In fact, of course, we know he wrote many letters when he was imprisoned, and much of the New Testament teaching that we have comes from Paul's time of imprisonment. And it was no bar to his fruitfulness to be under lockdown. Well, I suppose it's, it, we can look at that and say, well, it's okay for the Apostle Paul. He wrote letters and so on. What about the ordinary believer? Well, if you read later on in the epistle to the Colossians, chapter 4, verse 12, he writes about an ordinary believer. He writes this, so Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bondslave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. So there he was, he was with Paul. Always labouring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who in are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. You see, here is Epaphras, who is just an ordinary believer, and he too is bringing forth fruit in this time of lockdown for Paul and for Epaphras. And his fruitfulness is coming because he is labouring long in prayer for them. Paul is preaching the word and Epaphras is praying. You know, it doesn't really matter which one we are, whether we're a Paul preaching the word and writing the letters and so on, or whether we're an Epaphras who is pleading with the Lord in prayer for the people. There is a real fruitfulness coming from the life of these men who are suffering uh, difficulty and some sort of imprisonment. Well, Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's that dunamis power. Well, I'm going to turn now to some conclusions. Well, I want to um, start by reminding you of John chapter 7 verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. You know, if you are thirsty, if, as I've been speaking to you, even if you can't see me and you can only hear me, and maybe you've paused the tape on a couple of occasions to, uh, to uh, make a cup of tea, and indeed, actually, I've paused this recording on one occasion because the phone rang midway through. That's the sort of days we're in, isn't it? Uh, if you're thirsty... Come to the Lord Jesus because it's his great desire to baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Or if you are baptised with the Holy Spirit already, to fill you afresh and anew with his Holy Spirit. That rivers of living water might flow out from each one of us to the praise of his glory. It is his promise to us and his great desire for us. But we need to be thirsty. Do you know, it may be one of the things that the Lord has been doing in this time of lockdown is making you thirsty. Well, what a glorious thing he's done, if that's the case. Acts chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't let the baptism in the Holy Spirit be something of a past experience for you. Now, if you'll just bear with me, I'm aware that I've spoken to you probably for somewhere in the region of an hour, and that's quite long enough, really. But it may be that some of you are just sitting thinking, well, I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and yet here I am under lockdown. The thing is that it is the Lord Jesus who baptises with the Holy Spirit. You don't need your pastor 
to lay hands on you or to pray with you for baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can pray on your own and the Lord Jesus will answer. So I'm going to spend just a few moments um, just explaining how to come through to baptism in the Holy Spirit. So um, if you are thirsty, I would say just leave the tape running and just listen to how you can be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to, um, and I'm not going to take very many minutes over this, just let me reassure you. Um, well, if I can just remind you of Ma Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist says this, As for me, I baptise you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It is the Lord Jesus who does the baptising in the Holy Spirit. So he is the one that we have to go to. So if your desire is to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, you need to go to the Lord Jesus and ask. He is the one who will do it. That is why I said you don't need your pastor to do this. Sometimes it's helpful to have someone to pray with you. And you might want to ring your pastor and talk to him about it um, and so on and, and have him pray with you over the phone. But you don't need to do that. Jesus is the one who baptises with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but you'll notice Jesus baptises with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we cannot have any compromise with sin. You know, if you desire to be baptised with the Holy Spirit... You need to be willing to be obedient to what the Lord has to say. The Lord will not baptise someone with the Holy Spirit who is, who is compromising with sin and who is sort of leading a divided life. We need to be wholehearted with God. Well, there are certain heart conditions. And the first one is that you must be born again of the Spirit of God. We must um, have come to that place of being born again. So we need to be Christians. And if you need a reference for that, that is Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and Acts chapter 10 verses 44 to 48. The next heart condition is that we need to be repentant. And what I mean by that is that we need to be those who are walking in obedience to God. There can't be anything that we're not being obedient over. If there's something that God has been saying to you, that you've been holding out on him, that you've not been doing what he said, then he won't baptise you with the Holy Spirit. You need to be willing to be obedient. And Acts chapter 5 verse 32 tells us that. So Acts chapter 5 verse 32 says, and we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. We can't be walking in disobedience and expect God to baptise us in his Holy Spirit, or the Lord Jesus to baptise us in the Holy Spirit. It may be for some of you that the things that you have to put right are too difficult to put right at the moment. And you need that power of the Holy Spirit in order to find the way through to put them right. In which case what I would say to you is resolve the matter with the Lord. Tell the Lord that it is your desire to put it right. And cooperate with him in the putting of it right. As he empowers you with his Holy Spirit. To get through on the difficulty you face. And in the thing which has ensnared you. The third heart preparation. Is one I've talked about a lot. And that's that we need to be thirsty. Luke chapter 1 verse 53 says, He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. We need to have a hunger and a thirst and a desire. And my guess is if you're still listening to me, you're probably pretty thirsty. The fourth 
thing about this matter of baptism in the Holy Spirit is that we receive through faith. Galatians chapter 3 verse 2 This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Faith is a firm con conviction based upon what God has said to us. And, and we have the promise of the Lord Jesus, don't we? In John chapter 7, that promise that I've said so many times over the last hour, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That is the promise of the Lord Jesus. Well, we have that promise. So we know that if we come to the Lord Jesus who baptises us with the Holy Spirit and ask him to do so and we are right with him and walking in obedience and our lives are right, then he will fulfil his word. He will be true and faithful to his word and he will baptise us with the Holy Spirit whether we feel it or not. We are not to go by our feelings or by... Um, our circumstances, we walk by faith, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Our receiving of the Holy Spirit is based upon the word of God and the fact that we have asked, not what we may or may not feel. It is by faith, not by feelings. And then uh, the other thing to understand is that Jesus said, let him, he who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink you need to be willing to receive what God is doing don't wait passively for God to do it to you if I gave you a cup of water if we were physically able to be close enough for me to give you a cup of water and you took the cup of water it would be of no good to you if you didn't drink it we need to drink we need to receive we need to allow God to fill us and to actively seek for him to do so. Well, those are the heart conditions to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, but actually I think they're the heart conditions to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit as well. All of those things will apply to us if we're not only to be baptised in the Holy Spirit in the first place, but to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you do desire to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, what I would say to you is, first of all, make sure that your life is right with God. Ask God if there is anything that he has been saying to you that you need to respond to him over. And then come to him and ask the Lord Jesus to baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Pour out your heart to him. Cry out to him. Tell him that you are thirsty. Tell him that you desire that empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life. Tell him all about it. And then receive that which he has for you by faith. Because it is desire is to use this time of disciplining us. To bring us through to a greater knowledge of himself. And it may be for some of you. That this time of lockdown is the most blessed time in your life. Because you have come to a greater knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the empowering, his empowering of your life. To bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And to do something so good in your life. That we will, uh, as Romans chapter 15 says, um, be filled with all joy and peace in believing, so that we are bound in hope by the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. Well, may God be with you and bless you all as a fellowship through this difficult time. Amen.